welcome to Coffee and Catholics, a Catholic women's talk show podcast. I'm Stacy, one of your hosts, and with me I have... Hi, I'm Alicia. And I'm Noelle. I'm Annie. And I'm Lauren. Welcome to Coffee and Catholics, and today we are discussing what Mary means to us. Mary, at least for me, has been a big part of my formation as a Catholic or just as a woman. And I just have always felt that she helped me stay Catholic, if that makes any sense. Um, She brought me to my devotion of the Eucharist. She has just been a major role in my faith formation. Like my veiling that I eventually started doing, Mary was a big part of. And my struggle with feminist views, um, what true feminism is, a lot of that was formed through Mary and her example. Mm -hmm. What does Mary mean to you? I love Mary. (laughs) Like, love this woman. I haven't always... Like for the, I've been Catholic now for I think eight or nine years, and for the first seven years, eight years, like it, she wasn't really even much of a blip on my radar. But um, the last year, well, when was it? I guess it must have been the beginning of August. I started doing my first novena that I've ever prayed, Rosary novena, fifty-four day Rosary novena. Um, the first one that I've done in like 10 years and started praying this novena over this certain decision that my husband and I had to make. And then on the 30th day, that's when I found out that I miscarried. Um, and I didn't really make any kind of connection cause I wasn't praying about the baby or anything like that. Then as like, you know, kind of time went on and I stopped saying the petitions and started doing, you know, the, the last portion that, you know, the thank yous. And everything, like, things started kind of coming to a head between me and my husband with a lot of issues. And, um, like, the last day of the novena was the day that him and I reconciled a lot of things um, that wouldn't have happened without, you know, without the miscarriage and, you know, and, and such. But um, looking back, like, you know, I see that novena and, like, I don't think <laughs> I've talked to, I've told, like, non-Catholic and like non-religious um, people that I know the story and they're like you probably shouldn't say novenas anymore like <laughs> I was like it, it didn't cause it <laughs> like I don't think it caused a miscarriage it was going to happen and it you know happened to fall in that time and I think it was just you know God's providence but I think Mary was in that you know um, and that was kind of like my start to kind of being called to her because after I found out about the miscarriage, I felt so incredibly like hurt and betrayed by God. Like I couldn't believe that he, I didn't think that he, you know, caused her death or anything like that, but I know he allowed it. And I had been growing in my faith up until that point. Yeah. After the miscarriage happened, like I just, I had this block where I just like, I felt like I couldn't have a relationship with him anymore because I felt so betrayed by him. I started kind of leaning on Mary a bit and I started praying to her like, you know, like it wasn't even for the novena or anything, but, um, as like a separate prayer, I just, you know, prayed to her and I was just like, I can't, I can't do this by myself. Like I want to have the faith back that I had back then because it was beautiful and it was growing and it wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but it was this beautiful faith that God was giving me. Like I need help because I can't talk directly to your son and I cannot talk to God. Oh, sorry. (laughs) so honest and real it's beautiful but um 
yeah, like I just, I just, I, you know, told her I couldn't do it. And I know that her purpose, like her entire purpose is to reflect God back to us and reflect, you know, turn us to her son. And so, you know, I asked her one night to help me to get back to him because like I said, I just couldn't do it on my own. I tried and I couldn't and I fell asleep. And when I woke up in the morning, like it was gone. Like that block was gone. Like I still felt hurt and I felt sad, of course. And, you know, still kind of asking like, why did this happen to me kind of a thing or whatever. But like that block that I felt for so long um, between me and God, like it was just gone and I was able to pray again and I was able to start getting that trust back again. And I very much contribute that to Mary. So, yeah, so that was really the start of my relationship with her. Like I just, I love that she turned me back to him in such a beautiful, unexpected, just like kind of miraculous way. Like God allowed that to happen through her. I don't know, she has a special place in my heart because she, you know, she was really there for me, I think, um, in such a beautiful way. What about y'all? She helped me through my miscarriage also, I think. And when I look back at, you know, I mentioned the veiling. I've been called to veil since college. And I didn't start veiling until after that miscarriage. And I think that that was partially because of Mary trying to guide me through that hurt and that sense of loss and trying to make sense of it all. How things in the church are veiled because they're beautiful and they're sacred. And I don't think that I had viewed myself in that way until Mary turned it that way for me. She's She wears the veil, the tabernacle's veiled. You know, things that are sacred and beautiful in the church are veiled. I hadn't thought of it that way before. It is always like... You're not going to submit me down. <laughs> You're not going to be dominant over me. I'm a strong woman, and I don't need that. I actually ended up veiling because Mary showed me that being a strong woman is beautiful and sacred. And it, helps, it helped me heal from that loss and see it as something beautiful. I know those two things seem so different from each other, but they happened at the same time. And so I blame Mary for helping me see things in that type of light. Yeah, I think I had a similar kind of story with Mary. I, having been, you know, a devoted Protestant, I was very much in love with Jesus, very much, even even after coming back to the church. Just, you know, he's my boy, and he still is. Like, I just, you know, and I would always loved Mary even more than some of the other Protestants that I had known, just because I, I got it intuitively how special she was and that she was always with him. And so, and so I did very much love her and respect her and you know, go to her and ask her for things, but it wasn't the way it was with, you know, me and him. Like, that was, like, special. But it was during a really difficult period in my marriage, um, a lonely time in my marriage, that she came gently to me to offer her help. And I noticed right away how gentle she was, and she would just sort of ease herself into the situation. And I realized that what is so incredible about Scripture is that she's always done that. She always just whispers it her way in. It started, you know, with just being available when the angel came. And then and Cana, you know, the first miracle was a response to a child in distress because their wedding wine was, she's a stress fixer. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And she came at a time when I, there was not even anything that I could do. To, to, to get over this hump in our marriage, it was just something that felt too big for me. And she came and offered her help. 
And I just started doing this 33 days to morning glory study, which I had already begun to kind of um, connect with her on a deeper level. And that just blew at the door wide open. And I really credit her with the deeper conversion that happened inside of our marriage because she taught me how to be okay that things weren't how I wanted it to be, but to let the Lord move instead of taking the reins myself and trying to suggest things that maybe only needed to be suggested by her. I learned from her that this is kind of my job and not yours, (laughs) like to suggest what needs to be done to your spouse. That's kind of my arena. I do that sort of behind the scenes work, okay? And me and the Holy Spirit, my spouse, we work together to do that. That's not really your job. Your job is to stay hidden just like I am hidden in my son and I am veiled. And you be what you need to be. Let's stay close and I'll do the rest. And I really do think that she is the reason why. She led us to do the an, an enthronement to the Sacred Heart, which has protected us over and over again. We've seen those promises fulfilled in our home in ways that are only could only be described as miraculous. So I think that she is, to me, just a model of being okay that my will isn't working and the way that I want it to go isn't happening. But that's okay because my job is just to keep on going and to keep on to let her do the job instead of like jumping over and trying to take over the situation. So that's what I've learned from her is to be still. Yeah, and I think that's a, a beautiful um, point because I think that's, uh, you had mentioned it in a conversation earlier that like, you know, when the world is going absolutely crazy, when everything in your life is nuts and all of this, like God is the one constant thing. And, you know, God works through the saints. He works through Mary and all of that. And so when we, when things are like going crazy in our relationships or whatever, you don't have to try to take control. You don't have to try to fix everything. You don't have to focus on that all of the time because it's hard and it, it weighs hard. It's a burden and, you know, it wears you out and, you know, weighs on your heart. But if you just allow God to be that constant in your life or whatever, even in the midst of all of that craziness, like you can still have joy. You can still have peace. And I think that's something that Mary shows. It's just like throughout her life when she found out that she was going to have a baby and, you know, she was, yeah, she was married to this man and then he was going to leave her. And, you know, she, you know, I mean, I imagine that would have been crazy, but, you know, I can picture her just like relying on God and being like, you know, I trust you. Like Mm -hmm. things are absolutely nuts right now and I don't know what's going to happen and nothing makes sense, but I'm going to trust you, you know, and the same with, you know, watching her son being tortured and crucified, you know that would be heartbreaking and like, and I'm sure she had those human responses of crying and all of that. But like the image of her, like, you know, not on her knees at the cross, but she was standing at the cross. It talks about that in the Bible. And, you know, she was standing there and like, that's an image to me of like her faith in God, because yeah, it hurt to see her son that way. Her heart was being torn apart in front of her, but she trusted God enough to like, you know, let him be that constant for her and have that faith. And I love that about her. Well, and then even after Jesus res- resurrected and then was with the disciples and then left them again saying, I'm going to send the advocate to you, she calmed them. She mm-hmm. sat in the room with them and there's the world's going crazy outside. They're afraid that they're going to be you know, persecuted because they were disciples of Jesus. And, and she's in the room with them, mothering them and calming them and being still with them. 
I think, unfortunately, as Catholics, we've let um, a lot of anti-Marianism affect our relationship with her. Like, we shy away from her because we don't want to be accused of worshiping Mary or, or loving her more than Jesus, even though, uh, who is it, St. Maximilian Kolbe, who said, you can't love Jesus more than, or you can't love Mary more than Jesus did? Who was it that said that? It was either Kolbe or um, the guy that Kolbe loved so much. The one who did the Marian, the original Marian consecration. Oh, Saint Louis de Montfort. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I think it was him. So it's yeah, like you mm-hmm. don't be afraid of loving Mary because you'll never love her more than Jesus did. Oh, that was. Um, one. Yeah, I love that. But I know that for me, growing up in the Bible Belt um, and dating a Baptist for a while, I really shied away from Mary. And it wasn't until I met my husband who loved Mary so much. Um, And actually, my husband had left the Catholic Church for a little while and joined Islam and learned their reverence for Mary. They have a strong reverence for Mary, actually. Um, That, you know, when he came back to the Catholic faith, that he really developed a devotion to her. And he said to me, in the midst of having some issues with my own mother, you know, why don't you ask Mary to be your mom? And that felt so weird to even pray to her, even though I said the Hail Mary prayer, we prayed the rosary, whatever, to to actually have a conversation with her. Um, Even though I grew up Catholic my whole life, that was something new. So then just to say, it was awkward. It felt like I'm like asking somebody on a date. <laughs> just like, hey, um, could you, could you like be my mom? Um, but she's been there for me in so many different ways. And just one story I'll share really quick. Um, when my, a couple years ago, my mom almost died in a car accident and uh, she was in ICU. She was up in Michigan. I was in Kansas at the time. I flew to Michigan the next day and my sister and my dad were they're both in the medical profession so they're having all these intense conversations with doctors and it's just flying over my head so I had my six-month-old with me and I said I'm I'm just gonna go to mass I can't be here there's nothing I can contribute to this conversation and I'm kind of going out of my mind and so there was a church about a mile away and so I said okay I'm just gonna walk to this church and um, my dad said are you sure you know it's kind of far and I said no it'll take me about 20 minutes well I start walking and walking and walking for an hour long. Guys, my GPS is not working. It's telling me, turn this way, that way. I'm asking people, where is this church? And nobody knows where this church is. So after an hour, and I'm sweaty, and I'm holding my giant six-month-old child, and my back hurts, I see the steeple up ahead. And I was like, I don't even care if it's a Protestant church. I'm just going to go and sit (laughs) down and pray and then figure out how to get back. So I come around the corner and I see it says St. Mary Catholic Church. And I wasn't going to this church. It was a different church that I was supposed to go to. But I hear music from inside. And I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. You know, maybe I made it just in time for Mass. So I walk in. There is a Mass going on, but it's a funeral and it's ending. And the priest is walking towards me down the aisle. And I just burst into tears. And the priest was like, I'm so sorry for your loss. And I'm like, I didn't even know this person. (laughs) I'm so lost and my mom is in the ICU and I don't know what's going to happen. And I'm trying to get to this other church and he's like, okay, um, (laughs) let me just take my vestments off and I will drive you to this other church. I think we'll still make it in time. So he, uh, we get in the car and he's like, how did you even end up here? And I said, I don't know. 
And he goes, well, it's no coincidence that you ended up at St. Mary. Mary always brings us to Jesus. And I was like, that is so sweet. So we get to the cathedral. I go to mass. And then I'm like, okay, I'm not going to get lost again. So I asked this lady in the parking lot. I said, "Um, you know, how do I get back to the hospital? And she looks at me and she goes, you're wearing butterfly earrings. I'm supposed to take you. And I was like... Okay, so I got in her car. <laughs> and she was parked in a handicapped spot. This so was very dangerous. <laughs> this is not my only ride with cards with strangers through Holy Spirit story. Um, it's kind of like a flight into Egypt moment or something. I don't know. So so I get her. She was in a handicapped spot. I totally could have taken her if she tried to. <laughs> so we start driving to the hospital. And um, we're chatting, and I was like, you know, thank you so much for, for taking me. Is there anything I can pray for? And she tells me some intentions. And then I said, by the way, what's your name? Her name was Mary. Mm-hmm. I was like, what? This is so crazy. So I go home, or I go back to the hospital. I tell my dad this whole thing. And he goes, I'm very disappointed in you. But then we went to the waiting room for my mom to come out of surgery, and I'm getting antsy again. And I go to the only magazine on the table. It says... National Geographic, Mary, the most powerful woman in the world. Oh. And it always has us in threes. She yeah. is with us. She is totally, totally with us. And just, I mean, there's been so many incidences like that that seem very little, but they're so motherly. And, you know, recently I was listening to this, this Catholic speaker, actually, this Catholic professor, talking about Mary and how um, the church is wrong to hold her up as a role model mm. because it's supposed to put women down or you're supposed to be demure and modest and I'm like you don't know Mary that is not Mary Mary you know (laughs) fled you know to another country Mary had a baby and welcomed the stranger to come and witness you know Mary the first thing that she does when she finds out she's having Jesus is go to Elizabeth you know she Mm -hmm. goes to address her needs she is not this diminutive you know, passive woman. She mm. endured the cross just as much as Jesus yeah, did. And, um, and the fact that she is so involved in our lives um, in such a motherly and tender way is something that we as Catholics, I think, we need to remember and not even just, you know, be like, oh, that's so nice that she's our mom, but take that active role with her. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that that was what surprised me the most about getting to know her was how much she actually wanted to be involved and asked for her help. Like, okay. even she was instrumental in starting Gathering Mana, which is the ministry that I have, because it was her who taught me how to do all the things and all of the, the things that I now am able to teach other women. It was yeah. her that actually taught them to me. She's a, a very present help just like the Lord is, if we will call on her and ask her to get involved. Right. Mm-hmm. She loves to help. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think, Noelle, you had a really good point when you were talking about how um, that a lot of time we spend kind of trying to fight that misconception that we're, like, worshiping Mary through, um, through our devotion. And I think that that's been an issue I've dealt with for a long time. I, you know, cradle Catholic, but... Um, you know, pray the rosary, knew these, you know, like I went to Our Lady of Fatima. I like, I know the stories. Um, but then I went to Baptist high school and I feel like I kind of have that, that roadblock trying to fight that. I'm, I, I honor her, you know, I'm not worshiping, I'm honoring. So, but, but realizing that this is honor, like in the, in that we're called to do more than just say, oh, she's a good person because she's more than that. 
I've been doing a lot more um, trying to bring my, myself closer to Mary, especially as a mom and trying to learn more from her um, and learning more about the, the different messages she has had for us in um, through like her various apparitions. And um, most recently, I'd, uh, had, I probably should have heard of this a long time ago, but had recently learned about the uh, story of our, the apparition Our Lady of Cabejo in Rwanda that made an impression. You know, the, the main ones I already kind of knew, but that one in particular has just been um, big for me. Like, cause you hear the, the girls there that they were talking to her, like, just like we were talking about how she's just, you know, their mom. Um, and um, having that relationship and how important that is. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I remember before I became Catholic, I had never prayed a rosary in my life. Like, I didn't, I came from agnosticism. I hated organized religion. Anybody who spoke about Jesus, I was like, get away from me. Like, you know, all of that or whatever. So like, I didn't really have, I didn't really have much of an opinion about Mary at all. But like, as I started to kind of learn more about Jesus and everything, like I started, you know, kind of, I don't know if, if you could say fall in love back then, but I'll use that for a lack of better term. I really started to get to know him and become more affectionate towards him. And then this idea of Mary, and I felt like I was betraying Jesus mm -hmm. by talking to her. And so the first time I prayed a rosary, I was in my apartment by myself, and I said a little prayer, and I was like, God, forgive me, please, if I am doing the wrong thing. <laughs> I was like, don't hold it over me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and I started praying it, and I felt wrong, and it felt weird. And, you know, I finished it, and it was fine. But um, when you were talking about you know, the apparitions of Mary and, um, maybe talking to her like a mom, maybe talking to her like a mom, I guess, like, and, and the, the way that she, she does stuff. It's cool. <laughs> yeah. Being it's, a mom, I've tried to have, well, I don't know, maybe that's just what I wrote. Well, now. one thing I, when Annie started talking about learning about the different apparitions, uh, apparitions, I went, oh, apparitions. <laughs> Do not delete that. Yeah, different appar apparitions of Mary. Um, I really didn't learn. It's so funny because a lot of people will tell me, oh, Cece, you know so much about the Catholic Church, and I have, I don't know very much. And I'll, I'll be like, I don't know very much. Most of the stuff I've learned... I've learned since having kids because mm -hmm. I want my kids mm -hmm. to know this stuff because I didn't. My parents are very Catholic, but they did, they didn't know this stuff. Like, I mean, my mom had an uncle as a priest and she didn't know this stuff. You know, it's just you grow up with stuff and people just kind of go with the motions. And the only reason I've even learned anything, you know, I get the little shiny light dolls, shining light dolls. I'm like, whoo, there's another one from about Mary. I didn't even know about this one. Our Lady of Knock, mm, what's that? Great. I'm Irish. I should have known that one. <laughs> you know, yeah, and those are awesome. So then I learn about these different feast days and different um, apparitions and different messages from just wanting my children to know. And I think it's okay not to know, and I think it's okay to grow. And she she comes to you when you're supposed to know, too. Yeah. I, I think that that's the other thing is I don't feel bad that I didn't grow up knowing these things because I don't think that knowing them earlier would have been as significant in my life. Well, and I, because I had to kind of heal up, 
a relationship with my mom, I want my kids to know they have a heavenly mother who is more perfect than me, you know? And so, and I, because I would travel so much, um, I had this fear and my kids sometimes had this fear, like what if the boy graduates, you know, and you have this thing and I want them to know they always have a mother. And so sometimes we have this, this little chant Well, I'll, I'll be like, um, who's the best mom? And they'll all be Mary. Like, okay. Who's the second best mom? You know? And then they'll be like, Miss Brittany or whatever. That's a friend or whatever. I'm like, I make the top three though. So it's okay. But, um, yeah, I think that, too, we have all had to grow in our relationship with our father and with our mother. And I think instilling in your kids early, you have this heavenly mother who's attending to your needs just as much, if not even more so than I am, is is going to be so key to how they relate with me and how they see themselves as loved in the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, see, and, and one thing... Um, for me, like before I really came to have a relationship with Mary, like I didn't really see any kind of connection. Like I didn't relate to her in any way. Right. Cause she's like, she's the mother of God and she's perfect. And I'm not perfect. I yell at my kids and I get mad and I have to take breaks and occasionally I drop some bad words and my kids <laughs> repeat them. I'm sure she didn't do that with Jesus. I don't know about the bad words, but she did get on to Jesus when he got lost at the she temple. Did. She did. She did. But, you know, I, I just didn't really relate to her very much. But then I like, I think it's, it's not really, I, I've learned over time that it's not about relating to her. You don't have to have something in common with her, the, the life that she led or who she actually is. It's all about the love that she wants to give yes. you. That's all it is. It's like, she, she's wants you to know that like, regardless of the differences that you have with her, like she still wants to be your mom mm-hmm. and she still wants to be there for you. And she still wants you to bring you to, to Jesus. And, and you know, that's, that's her goal is like her whole mission. Everything about her is just love. And that's, I think that's the thing that I love so much about Mary is that she's her openness to allow God to let that love shine through her to everybody else around her. I think you just summed it up beautifully. I'm not even going to try to make it better than that. Maybe we should just end with a Mary Mother of God. Pray for us. Please join us again in two weeks when we tackle the topic of anxiety. Until then, may God bless you and may Mary accompany you.